Welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast. You're with Sophie Guy, and today I'm joined by Associate Professor Sophie Havinghurst to talk about the parenting program she co-developed with Anne Harley called Tuning Into Kids. Sophie is a child clinical psychologist and Associate Professor at Mindful, the Centre for Training and Research in Developmental Health, based in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Melbourne. Tuning Into Kids is an emotion-focused, evidence-based parenting program that emphasises the emotional connection between children and their parents. The program aims to teach parents and caregivers skills in recognising, understanding and managing their own and their children's emotions. In today's conversation, we talk about why a focus on emotional connection in families is important and how the Tuning Into Kids program supports this. Hi, Sophie, and welcome to the Emerging Minds podcast. Hello, nice to be here. In thinking about this topic, I was conscious that it's very timely that we're having this conversation right now when families are under immense pressure again as a result of changes being brought to their lives by the COVID-19 situation. And I also thought about, you know, more broadly, it seems to me that as a culture, we're still very much in the dark about our emotions and how we can relate to them in a healthy way. So getting the message out there about how to emotionally support children is something I feel really passionate about. To start off our conversation today, I wondered if you could tell us a bit about yourself and your background and and how you came to be working in this space and developing this program, Tuning Into Kids. Okay, well, I've uh, been doing this work with Tuning Into Kids for about 21 years now. I'm a New Zealander and I did my clinical psychology training and started working in child and adolescent mental health back in New Zealand. And the process of having a lot of experience working in mental health and in forensic prison systems, things like that, led to my awareness that for many adults, they don't develop the skills in being able to understand and manage emotions from early in their lives. And I became really interested in that we need to get in early, we need to start early with children's emotional development and we need to look at what is it that really contributes to children's emotional development. And I remember being in a library and back in about 1996 or 97 in, in University of Canterbury and coming across this wonderful book by John Gottman, Lynn Fainsley, Katz and Carolyn Hooven, which outlined this whole body of work they'd done where they'd observed that the way that, that parents responded to children's emotions was very much related to children's emotional development and then behaviour, academic outcomes and things like that. Mm. And they identified that some parents actually moved toward emotion. They were much more connected around kids' emotions and they wouldn't um, try and distract their kids or tell them it wasn't necessary to be worried or anything. They would actually really hold and support and be with their child when the child was emotional and then help the child to work that through. And that those were the kids that did the best emotionally and the best developmentally. And that was at the same time as some other work was really finding this in the developmental literature finding that it was the way that parents responded to emotions that was really related to children's emotional learning. So when I came across that work, I thought, oh, this is the beginning. This is the way we need to go in terms of developing more parenting interventions. Now, I came over to uh, Australia to do my PhD to look at this. And in the beginning of my PhD, when I was working with Margot Pryor and Anne Sanson, who my PhD supervisors, and they were just like, don't do an intervention for a PhD. You need to really measure the ideas. These are fairly new ideas. People are not doing this yet. So I started doing that for my PhD. And at the same time, 
uh, it was introduced to Anne Harley, who was working at the Victorian Parenting Centre, as it was called at the time, by um, Lynn Littlefield, who has uh, later been the head of the Australian Psychological Society. She introduced us. She was the director at that time. She said, you too have the same interest. You want to focus on emotions and parent-child relationships and parenting. And that was at a time when pretty much everyone was working on behavioural approaches to parenting, where it was about trying to change the reinforcement, trying to reduce children's difficult behaviours by using time out or planned ignoring and things like that. And Anne and I had a very different approach. We were both very interested much more that children's behaviour came from feeling heard, their emotions feeling heard and listened to, and that when we connect with kids, their emotions settle, they can work through and understand what's going on and solve problems. So Anne and I had the same sort of ideas and she was a parent educator and um, I'm a child clinical psychologist. So we came together from different angles, but with the same key thread. And that was the beginning of us starting the work with tuning into kids and developing that back in 1999. Wow. And had 21 years of work since then. And we were also told really interestingly at the time, people didn't think, that an emotion-focused kind of way of working with kids, with parents responding to emotions better in kids, they didn't think that that would be effective. This is all too touchy-feely. And so we got the message pretty clearly early on that unless we had a lot of evidence to show that this approach worked, it was never going to be supported. Wow. So Anne and I just had this mission of making sure we did a lot of randomised control trials to show that this approach was effective that it led to better outcomes for parents, that children's emotional development was much, much better, that their behaviour was better, that they were more settled. And so we have done many research trials over the years looking at, can we see this? And that's been very important to get the evidence so that then people or organisations or governments go, great, this is an evidence-based programme. So that's partly the beginnings. Thank you. Yeah, it's a good overview and helps to provide that background and context. I will get into asking you specifically about tuning into kids, but I wanted to ask you, as you've just explained, it's very much emotion-focused and it's about emotional connection and emotion coaching. Why is this important to focus on with children and with parents to help relationships and help families? I think a big part of it is that like emotions in us are really important information to let us know about what our needs are. They tell us when we're unsafe, when we're threatened, when we're not having our needs met, when there's something wrong, when there's injustice. So if we learn to listen to our emotions, we can be guided by them, not overwhelmed by them, but use them to guide us and make good choices. And they're the essence of connection, you know, to connect with another person around their emotional experience, to feel heard, to feel seen, to be responded to by someone else is, is what intimacy and closeness and, and love is, you know. It's not just about touching and hugging someone. It's actually about that holding and that being with. So it's at the core to what our needs are, emotions. And Kids who learn to develop the skills of listening to their emotional experience and being guided by it are the ones who do much better in life. They become much better at socialising and, and, and their the social relationships are better. They have better later intimate relationships. They can handle when someone else is angry with them and work that through. They can share grief or sadness and work that through. They can see someone else who's very worried about something and they can respond in a supportive 
way to help that person. So these are very essential skills that we want kids to learn from early. And just by changing behaviour is not the way to do that. So we have always thought that at the core, we'd make sure that the Tuning Into Kids program focused on helping parents to move toward kids when they had emotions rather than away. Because so often we, you know, avoid, it's all right, don't worry, you'll be right, don't be silly. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a very common part of our culture is just to dismiss emotions. And if you had that all your life, you learn to dismiss those emotions in yourself and you don't listen to, oh, actually, I'm feeling really, really hurt by that. I need to address that. Or I'm hungry. So part of even knowing what your body needs is about recognizing your physical body and your emotional well-being. We know there's a close relationship between the more you pay attention to your emotions, the better you can work out what do I need in this body. I am stressed. I need to stretch my body. I'm really pent up with anger. I need to release this feeling. So these are really um, integral skills that kids need from early. And if parents give the message to kids that your emotions are really, they're really important to pay attention to. I love you even when you're angry. I don't like it when you hurt people and I want to guide you on what's the right behavior. But I understand if you're angry when your sister won't let you play on something that's also very important for you as well. So... I guess these are the sort of core skills that if parents respond in this way from early in kids' life, kids learn to listen to that. And this is the development of emotional intelligence or emotional competence, whatever you want to call that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Oh, I love this conversation. I'm so glad we're going to get this out there and you talk about it clearly. So, yeah, tell me a little bit about the program Tuning Into Kids. What is the structure? What, what is actually going on in that program? What are parents learning? Well, we decided to set this up so ideally people would learn the program in a group. So there might be somewhere between six and 12 parents coming together two hours a week each week for six or eight weeks. And through that process of coming together, they would learn these skills called emotion coaching, which is the work that's come from John Gottman. And so we had this desire to have quite a focused approach just on learning these skills, not on learning about everything about parenting, but learning these core skills. And that was that we would help people to start noticing when is your child just a little bit irritated or a a little sad, or what is the look on their face? When you see them more stressed right now, for example, you notice your child's much more quiet or, you know, around the homeschooling or the stress that's going on. And you, instead of actually just leaving them to it, you see that as a time to come closer, to connect. Hey, you're a little quiet right now. You may be having a little bit of a hard time with the homeschooling stuff right now. And then a kid, you know, you might see the feeling come through. And then we encourage a parent to empathise. Yeah, it's really hard. You really miss your school or it's really hard learning right now. I wonder if you're a bit worried you're not doing as well as the other kids. Yeah, it's stressful when you've got to do things and you're not used to it this way. So the naming of emotions is important, but the empathizing. And then the fifth step that we use of emotion coaching that Gottman outlined is one talked about is called problem solving or setting limits. And one of the things we teach our parents in the group is that you don't actually do problem solving around emotional experiences until the emotion in the child has actually reduced to layer karma. And this is always what people do often, they get off track on, is that they try and name emotions or empathize, but then they try and get the child to move on. Mm. And you can't get a person or a child to move on when they don't feel like they've first been able to connect and you hold and then they calm. 
So if you try and, you know, with another adult and they're really worried about something, you try and give them a whole lot of solutions, they don't work. That often is just like, it just gets them more and more wound up. You've actually got to connect with their fear and validate that. And then as the person settles down and you see that breathing change, then you might say, what would help? So it's the same with kids. You can't get them to try and solve problems. And you don't want to keep on going on about what you did wrong before until the emotion is actually down because kids don't hear that. So we teach this and we teach this partly by um, helping people to learn these ideas, but then to practice them. And we do that through role plays. And we do that through lots of different exercises about how to step into the child's shoes and imagine how the child's feeling and then connect around that. But we do a lot of role plays because we've found that it's very hard to do this because when your child is emotional, it activates things in you. It kicks into things in you where you go, oh, this is annoying or, oh, I don't want my child to be in pain. This is so hard. I've just got to protect them. I want to solve it for them. So we have these kind of automatic reactions. So another key piece of what we think is really important for parents is for them to explore what has your experience been growing up in your family of origin with emotions? What messages did people raising you give you about anger? Was it that you don't get angry in this household, you go to your room whenever you're angry? So if the message is anger is not allowed. We love you when you are quiet and calm. Or are the messages um, given to a child that it's really okay to cry? You feel really sad when, you know, your pet hamster dies or when you don't get to see your friends, it's okay to feel it. So if the message is, is that, then from early in our lives, we would have learned that those feelings were okay. So we ask our parents to explore what sort of messages did you receive from your family, from people around you growing up, either verbal or just a look or whether you were punished or what was their reaction to your emotions? Mm. Because that is what feeds us and has helped develop our automatic reactions to emotions as adults and that is automatic reactions both to people we're close to in terms of you know intimate partners or friends or family and especially when we're parenting with, with children and perhaps even more so with kids when kids are emotional we often don't have that kind of lens of I must behave well we really go to automatic reactions so often as soon as a child is crying or angry it's almost like without thought we have an automatic reaction so we help parents to identify what are my automatic reactions and what can I do to slow that down because the research tells us that if you can help people alter that automatic reaction and start being aware of what their automatic reaction is and then develop some skills for doing something differently that is how you change parenting from one generation to the next because otherwise it's very easy just to repeat the same ways that our own parents or whoever raised us, you know, to repeat that. And in the, in the main, people are very dismissive of emotions. Oh, yeah. Even, yeah, everywhere. And I'm noticing that right now. There's a collective dismissiveness of the fear and the sadness and the anger of what's happening with COVID. Because we so often have this, oh, well, other people have got it worse than us or you know, but really it could be worse. So there's a very dismissiveness even of my own feelings when in fact I'm feeling so much grief and so much anger and so much loss and dread about what's going on. Mm. But it's very hard for us even as adults to often allow that feeling in ourselves or other people. That's very much come from 
what our experiences are being of being raised. So this is a really central part of tuning into kids to help parents identify that and then to try not to do exactly the same with their kids, mm. which is challenging. It's really hard. And that's why we have to practice it through role plays. Mm-hmm. And we do find that people normally learn the skills over time. It unfolds over time, not just with giving the people a piece of information and then they've got it. So it's very sure. interesting seeing that development. Yeah, I'm curious about what that journey is like for parents. Yeah, what have you observed? Because you know, there must be a bit of an unlearning to learn something new. Yeah, and it's really interesting you say that because as a researcher, you'll understand the process. When you measure something at a beginning of an intervention trial, people often think they're much better at things than what they are. Mm-hmm. So as in they might say, yes, I'm very accepting of my child's emotions. But then as they start doing the program, they realize, in fact, not at all. They might allow their child to be emotional, but then they quickly move them on. And so measurement often shows us that people become more aware of how dismissive they are as they go through the program. Now, what we often see is is these patterns that when people begin the program, it connects with them so strongly because it makes so much sense at a core. I would like this. I would have liked this myself. Or I'd, I like this with my friends or people around me. If they hear me and they empathize with me and they support how I feel, I feel good. I want to do that with my kids. It's so compelling. So people get that excitement often and then they go away and try it and they find it doesn't work. My kid just gets worse. What is this? You know. And so then we have to kind of go through and look at, okay, what's happening here? And it might be that they, again, are naming the emotion they're moving on too quickly. Or it might be that they talk a lot. And one of the things that we know happens is that when children are emotional, Dan Siegel talks about this idea of kids or people flip their lids, they become overwhelmed by the emotion, their frontal lobe, their rational brain does not work. Mm -hmm. And with kids, if you've got a kid who's even moderately to high emotion, you don't want to ask questions. You don't want to talk a lot. And so one of the things we often encourage people to do is just what does your face do? Can you show empathy just through, oh, yeah, that's hard, or the way your face looks, your eyebrows or your facial expression, or you use touch as the way and rubbing a kid's back or just being close to them. And you do that as a way of communicating your acceptance of the emotion without using lots of words. And that is the ticket. That is what really helps to bring down the elevation in emotion when someone feels like you genuinely connect with them and kids are exactly the same. So we find that that's the part is that parents often end up talking a whole lot about emotions and we have to then try and help them really reduce how much language they use when their kid's emotional. Instead, then you want to talk more about what happened or what we could do to resolve this when the children are calm. So it might be later that night or the next day that you actually then go into more of the conversation around the emotion, Mm -hmm. but not when the emotion is high. So we find people start to get this and then they often get a real dip around halfway through the program. They think, oh, this doesn't work. I can't do it. Or my own stuff is too loud, too strong. Or this is a ridiculous approach. I'm going to go back to, you know, using something else. And then you keep working and then normally by about session six, people have really started to get it. And so we do see that really it's a challenge to change something. And many people become aware this is actually very hard to do and I almost need prompts and reminders. So we do give people that materials on that to help them do that. I understand that uh, tuning into kids is has been translated into different languages and so it's obviously um, a program that is being taken up. But 
Here in Australia, how is it offered and how do parents find out about it and get involved? Well, the first thing is that we started with tuning into kids for primary school and preschool age kids. And then we developed a tuning into teens program. We also developed a program specifically for fathers and we've developed a program for parents of toddlers. So in different places, you can often get access to the teens program, the tuning into kids program or the dads program. Um, we've trained, I think, maybe about seven or 8,000 professionals around Australia now who run the program in various services. So you can often find out from the Child and Adolescent Mental Health Services, a lot of NGOs offer the program. We have a, an online version called Tickle, which we've recently released as well, that just gives a more briefer snapshot, it's just like a two-hour video program of me talking and examples of parent-child interactions and the key steps to learn because it is quite a learning process of learning steps often you know people may come away from this interview going okay I'm going to talk about my emotions with my kids but then they're not sure what to do next and it is hard because if you're doing something quite different to what you'd normally do you often get stumped you ask the first question how are you feeling and it's like the kid says well, I don't know what do you think I'm angry of course or maybe they won't even say that and so it's often about saying, okay, maybe the first thing you want to do is start just by simple naming of emotion. You seem angry or you seem really sad. And then trying to slow yourself down. So that might be something for people to begin and just even reflecting from, from this conversation now about where can I begin with my kids around emotions. The other thing is that when you've got young kids, you use less language. So toddlers, preschoolers, much less language. You can talk a little bit more about emotions with primary school age kids. And with teenagers, you want to be really careful because teenagers do not want you naming their emotions. So the same steps of emotion coaching work with teenagers, but primarily about connecting when they're ready to connect and empathy. Okay. And using language that is less focused on you must be angry to like, oh, how annoying. So language is not naming their emotions, but in more general ways, just naming the feeling that could be felt at that time yeah. because they don't want you as their parent to be in control of their emotional experiences and what they do to work it through. But they do like for you to empathise in a very gentle, not controlling way. So that's a, for example, of things that um, change with our um, programme as we move into the adolescent version of the program okay that's interesting yeah and what about why did you see a need to develop one specifically for fathers how does that one differ yes well Catherine Wilson was one of the people working on the tuning of the kids program before she retired and she was really interested in fathers and the role of fathers in children's development she did that as part of her PhD at Melbourne University and then when she was working on with tuning the kids, she said, you know, we really need a version of this program for fathers that integrates other parts of what fathers want to know about, which is what is their role? How do they contribute to children's development in a broader way? Mm -hmm. And also that often talking about emotions isn't necessarily the easiest thing for dads to do. And so maybe this needs to happen a little bit more slowly. So the groups with dads have been magnificent. We've, we've stretched it over seven sessions. So there's more kind of building up to talking about the same sort of material as in tuning the kids. 
but doing that in a way where you first of all look at children's development and, and things like that before you get into looking at emotional development. Okay. So that's been important. And some dads feel more comfortable with being with a group of dads rather than being, you know, one dad and nine mothers. Um, sure. That comes a little intimidating. That said, I think many of the fathers who attend groups get a lot out of it. And actually the groups work better when there's a mixture of mothers and fathers in groups because it balances out those different roles. And, you know, talking about emotions is not a female thing. Often mothers will do that a little more, but it's more about the sort of personality of, of the parent. You know, some men are better at emotion coaching than women. And so in a family, you'll often have one who takes more of a role, one who takes less of a role around emotions. Interestingly, one of my PhD students, Christina Ambrosi, she's developing a, a couples version of the program called um, Tuning Into Kids Together for either together or separated couples to learn tuning into kids so that they are more on the same page around dealing with kids' emotions. Mm-hmm. And that can help. That can be very useful. And you know, as you mentioned, from the outset, you invested into the research process and um, conducted randomised control trials, and I know you've been evaluating it. What do you find in those more kind of researchy conceptual terms? What do you find around the impacts of tuning into kids, the program, on kids, but also on their parents? Okay, so there's a couple of things. I mean, we've trialled the program with kids from toddlers right through to teens, and with families where they're more just a part of a community sample so meaning anyone who wants to come along might come along and they've been part of evaluation trials and others where they're specifically clinical and a clinical service say for example coming to the Australian Childhood Foundation where the child's experienced complex trauma or child and adolescent mental health service or something like that so we've looked at a range and One of the things we find is that we consistently see a pattern that parents become less emotionally dismissive when they've done the program compared to controls who don't, that they often improve in their awareness and regulation of their own emotions, the parents do. And that's a really core part of the program because it's such a critical part to being able to respond to your kids' emotions. You've got to be calm. You've got to be in a good space. And when you're elevated and reacting, it's very hard to do that. So we do find there's a reduction. Um, One of the things that's been interesting is we don't get as big a changes for people improving in emotion coaching skills as we do reductions in dismissiveness. And we think that that is partly because it's easier to become aware of where things are going wrong, but actually paying attention, responding, supporting emotions is actually quite hard to learn. Mm. So people typically become more empathetic with their kids but the actual working through all five steps is harder for people. That's what they say. In our observation studies, because we often measure parents and children interacting around emotional experiences, we observe parents being much better at using language around emotion, um, talking through emotions with their kids uh, compared to controls. And interestingly, um, with the outcomes for children, we typically see better emotional knowledge. So compared to controls, they'll have more knowledge of what causes anger, sadness, what to do with it than controls. And they tend to improve in their regulation skills, so managing emotions across home and school settings. Mm -hmm. And they have much less in terms of behavioural difficulties. So that's one of the biggest changes we always see is reductions in behaviour, which is so interesting because we don't try and change behaviour we change the connection and we look at how parents respond to the emotion 
and that leads to the change in behavior and that comes right back to what Anne and I believed right from the very beginning was that if you helped parents pay attention to the emotions and kids learned that their emotional experience was okay then they end up behaving much much more appropriately Mm-hmm. You know, so it's very interesting to see how behavior doesn't have to be changed by changing whether you punish a child after they've done something wrong. If you connect around why that child was angry and you hear that feeling and you validate their emotional experience and then you guide them what to do to repair a situation that they may have done something wrong, that works as equally effectively. And so one of our research trials, we compared a more behavioral approach to parenting interventions using the triple p program with the tuning into kids program these are two programs that are both used in australia and we've got the same changes in child behavior for both programs which is really interesting so both methods work very effectively Mm -hmm. so that's those are some of the changes that we've seen Mm -hmm. and even our our toddler program we're just publishing right now we actually see that children in the intervention condition, when their parents do tuning into toddlers, which is very similar to the tuning into kids program with less language, more around attachment and connection, those toddlers actually show significantly lowered cortisol stress, systemic cortisol stress than controlled children. So that means we take a hair sample and we look at the last month of stress in that child, which you can use from looking at cortisol levels when you look at the first centimetre of hair growth. We see significantly reduced cortisol in the intervention kids, but not the controls, which is just wonderful to see at such a young age that when parents are calmer and responding to emotions better, their children's biology is changing. Yeah. Like, isn't that just fantastic? Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> which is what we imagine, you know, you yeah. know it. Yeah. When someone here, you feel calm. It's like, oh, yes, that's a really tough situation. Thank you for listening to me. You know, we know the feeling of releasing and emotions lowering Absolutely. when we feel supported and held in adult relationships. It's just the same with kids. Yeah. So it's, it's really interesting to see that. And um, Christiana Kehoe, who's one of our um, lead team people, she's done a lot of the work with the Tuning Into Teens program. And she's also finding the same sort of outcomes with parents of teens and with adolescents reports on that. And she's actually been doing an approach called a whole school approach where she uses the Tuning Into Teens program with all of the teachers in a school and offers it to parents and then offers a component to um, grade eight children to learn about emotions and she's still in the evaluation process with that one but that's really interesting work to think about taking it to all you know parents teachers and child yeah one of the things I've been in Norway for the past two years doing a number of research trials there and one of the trials I've done is with 50 kindergartens and where we were randomizing intervention or control kindergartens. And then in the intervention kindergartens, all of the teachers got trained in tuning into kids. And then they were given weekly supervision to use it in their care of kids in the kindergarten. So this is kids from one to five years of age. And then the leaders also got trained to support the teachers. And then we've measured, uh, we're doing classroom observations, we're doing parents, teachers reports, um, kindergarten reports, all things like that. Because we're looking at, again, this whole of environment approach to if you teach everyone to focus more on emotion with kids, what does that do for children? It's not just from family, it's actually from the kindergarten or the school environment. Mm -hmm. So these are trials that we still have ongoing. Okay. Um, Yeah. And I'm just curious, if we can talk in generalizations for a minute, how did you find 
culturally, you know, Norwegian people relate to their emotions compared to Australia? Yes, it's a, been a fascinating journey because countries vary widely and, you know, cultures vary widely in how they respond to emotions. You know, I was training uh, some facilitators the other day and a Spanish woman who was joining from Spain on the online training, she said, I grew up in a family where anger was wonderful. It, everyone expressed it very freely and it's something I feel so comfortable and I can be really assertive in my work. So she had this lovely story of her, the people around her that she'd grown up with that was very much a comfortable part of her culture. Mm. Um, in Norway, they're very, very respectful of children. So they're much more respectful of children than I'd say on the whole Australians are. They haven't got quite that same sort of ethic of children need to be well-behaved. So they're respectful of kids on the one hand. I'm not saying Australians are not, but they have a very strong value around you would never hurt a child um, you talk well to a child so it's very much part of their culture so respect is important but not focusing on emotions whenever a kid's emotional you just get up and move on right get out to, onto the snow get out and move so it's very much a culture of um, I'd say holding things in and not showing them publicly emotional things okay. so I don't know what's better because I saw people much more respectful of each other around challenging situations I remember seeing a guy uh, open his car door and another Norwegian guy whacked into it on his bike slammed to the ground both guys jump up and immediately are smiling and cordial with each other even though this guy's bike is crumpled now wow. in Australia Australia would be a very different response. The cyclists, if they were okay, it was very likely to have a really big yell at the driver for being so unthoughtful and opening their door. Norwegians would be much more hold with the emotion, so much more controlled. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the things I saw. Mm -hmm. You know, we were just writing up a, a paper looking at the Tune Into Kids program in Turkey, Iran, Norway, Germany, and Australia. Because each culture is quite different in how they view emotions. Mm. And we've had trials happening in each country. So okay. it's it's very interesting seeing these cultural differences. Yeah. And as you're listening, you know that part of your culture is maybe more or less accepting of sadness or anger mm. or excitement or pride. Mm. You know, we vary widely. Uh, so yeah. it's really interesting. That's a part of tuning into kids to think about what if this is part of our culture what if this is part of our parenting and the overlaps between those mm, oh, that's so interesting I want to ask you one more question you've been doing this for 21 years like you said have you noticed a shift in you know maybe broadly culturally in our understanding and acceptance perhaps of emotions absolutely and it's really funny you say that because I think when Anne and I first started this we really were a bit like these kind of lefty hippies or being a really on the edge. It wasn't what was done. Uh -huh. And we really, it was quite different. And we, we built in quite a bit of the mindfulness work into the program from early, which was only just coming onto the stage at the time. Mm -hmm. But in the time we've been doing this, there's been much more acceptance. So when we first started training professionals in this program, we had to really convince them this was a good idea. Wow. And that hardly happens now like people are just like oh, of course because it's in the neurobiological literature there's a lot more brain physiology literature that actually really validates this approach and shows that the, yes it actually maps to brain functioning mm -hmm. and the cognitive literature and the developmental literature so mm -hmm. I think more and more it's become normed uh, and we're just publishing a paper in current opinion in psychiatry 
um, which is a very, a very good journal, which is on the state of emotion focused parenting programs, which have really blossomed, especially research in the last five years on this area. So it's, it is interesting seeing the huge shifts in culture. I think it probably is, you know, 10 to 20 years it takes before an idea starts to permeate the, the society. Mm -hmm. And we see it much more dominating in Australia now than it was when we began this work. Mm, well, I think that's really hopeful because, you know, everything that you've been describing about the importance of emotions and moving towards them, like you said, really resonates with me and I'm sure is going to resonate with the people listening to this podcast who work with families and children. So it's been a really useful and interesting conversation. Thank you so much, Sophie. You're very welcome. Visit our website at au to access a range of resources to assist your practice. Brought to you by the National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health, led by Emerging Minds. The National Workforce Centre for Child Mental Health is funded by the Australian Government Department of Health under the National Support for Child and Youth Mental Health Programme.